the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet o fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cinema Spooktacular 3, The Search for Spook, Volume 2. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we will be covering three movies in this spooktacular, the recently released uh, Netflix horror film, In the Tall Grass. Then we'll be delving into a classic Sleepaway Camp, uh, 1983's own Sleepaway Camp, uh, which has been hugely influential, it turns out, on this season's of American Horror Story. And then finally, we will be considering Crawled, 2019 alligator-adjacent horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I feel like we haven't really struck spook pay dirt yet. No. And I'm hoping we, we get a little bit you know, spine-chilling on the next one. No, I'm thinking that this year isn't exactly the same. So we talked about this in the first episode of Spooktacular, that there are varying degrees of horror and other people's definitions of horror sure um i just don't think this year is a great year for horror no matter what your definition is i don't know i got because i know the one thing we're going to see before the next installment is midsomner and i'm really hoping that brings the spook okay because i want i want my spine to be tingled at least once this year I don't if think it's going to do that. If not, I'm hanging up my spook spine. What when you mean when you say spine tingling, you want some ghosts, right? No, I what just want I want to be creeped. I want to be really creeped out. Mm-hmm. Like like I want to feel like a conjuring creep. I want to feel like a original paranormal activities creep. So I want to feel like a witch. Demons. A witch creep, a descent creep. That doesn't have ghosts. Ghosties, in it. demons, and witches. That's not what I'm saying. You want some unknown supernatural force. Hey, is my spine no, tingling? No, don't get defensive. I'm is trying to put a point tingling? on it. If my spine's tingling, that's that's what I want. Because the listeners have the same thoughts, you know? Oh, well, that they want to be spine tingled too? Yeah, no. Yeah, that they want something more spine tingling. So, again, the definition, is it psychological for you? Is it ghosty for you? Is it demons for you? You got to... You gotta, you gotta define that for yourself, but we're gonna my try spine to uh, not tingling. We try to encompass all the things, know. but we also don't. We can't say going into these movies that they're gonna be any of those things. Before we continue the podcast, a little bit of bald move housekeeping. Last Friday, Netflix released a Vince Gilligan directed and written El Camino, a little Breaking Bad epilogue for one Jesse Pinkman. As you probably know, we have every single second of Breaking Bad footage podcasted for posterity. So, you know, we had to gear up for one last ride with Jesse. That podcast dropped this Monday. So if you're jonesing for some of that old school Breaking Bad meth, give it a snort or a smoke, you know, whatever. Over on Pickle Me This, we're hard on the Rick and Morty season three grind we release every Tuesday. This week, we're talking rest and Rick laxation with the author of The Science of Rick and Morty, Matt Brady. Check it out. The American Horror Story Season 9, 1984 season continues. Cecily and I are covering that. It's honestly on an epic, uh, unprecedented run of awesomeness. If you like 1980 slasher, 
films. If you have nostalgia for 80s horror, I really encourage you to check it out. The great thing about American Horror is you can just jump in whenever because it's all... Uh, it's all an anthology. So if that sounds like a good time, check that out on the American Horror Story podcast feed. Jim and I are also breaking down the deuce, David Simon's love letter to 70s and 80s pornography. Not really. Uh, it's it's like The Wire's his love letter to the Baltimore drug trade. Uh, anyway, we're covering that final season. Every episode's released, released on Wednesday. It's an amazing television show. Mr. Robot's coming back, coming back strong. And we've got the final season coverage with episodes also released on Wednesdays. On the Bald Movies feed, we're also covering Zombieland 2 Double Tap this week. And finally, we have a new feature. We just crossed a major milestone. Five years of lunches with Jim and Aaron for our club members. And to celebrate every Thursday, we're releasing a lunch out of that archive for free to the public, which we're calling Lunch with Jim and Aaron Reheated. If you've ever been curious about what a lunch is all about, check it out. Plus, it's a fun little window in bald move history. I used to have hair, kind of, on top of my head. I was trying. Uh, check that out in on uh, baldmove.com. I had a... Let's talk about In the Tall Grass, because I had some minor spine tingling in this movie. Uh, this movie is got a very interesting concept, and it's got an incredible look. So the setup to this film is a brother and sister. A brother is helping his sister move across country to get away from her boyfriend so she can donate her baby to some couple, I think. Right, we don't get that at first. It's very vague whether or not they're brother and sister or they're lovers or she's going to keep the baby in a new place or give the way give away the baby in a new place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh but they pull off to the side of the road and there's this big grass field on one side there's an old abandoned spooky How you church describe this grass is it tall i would say it's tall it's something you can get into it actually reminds mm. me a lot of of corn yes like like working uh, uh like like going and detasseling a corn like i i know exactly what it feels like to run through something like this. right you and i both grew up in the midwest mm-hmm. where we had lots of cornfields around us sure did my backyard I, in fact was a cornfield mine too so i went running through the corn many times it got sliced up it'll all over you. it'll cut you uh so, so they, we all know how terrifying it is could for this like sharp thing very tall you can get lost so easily in just an open space it's Mm -hmm. it's i don't know what's the opposite of agoraphobia (laughs) no no no, not agoraphobia a cornophobia yeah cornophobia agriculture phobia there you go so they pull they 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 pull off this lot one side of the road is this uh tall grass field the other side is a creepy church and they hear a little boy inside calling for help so they go in uh, to the cornfield or to the the grass field like you do. They quickly kind of get lost and then they kind of call out to each other, but they feel like that their positions keep shifting. They're walking past each other. So they get the idea that they'll, on the count of three, jump up and look around and they do that and they see each other and like 30 feet away. Then they repeat the, the they try to, they're like, oh, okay. As they turn towards the direction, walk, they're like, sounds like they walk past each other. Then they do one, two, three, jump, and it looks like they're 300 feet away. And they realize, oh, shit, time and space don't mean anything in this grass patch. Mm-hmm. And that is the entire tension of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Is it a time loop? Is it a traveling b- between space, which also is interconnected in time? You don't really know. 
I don't think we ever actually get an answer to that, except that at some point we realize that there are holes in space, but there are also repeating time loops where people, where they will be on this time loop and maybe they've repeated it for 50 years. Maybe they've repeated it for 50 iterations, but not actual years. It's, it's one of those interesting time loops that I, I can't quite figure out. Yeah. And if you want, if this sounds interesting, um, I definitely recommend watching it because like, um, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. And I, I don't know that us spoiling it will like explain the movie or make it make sense. But like a lot of the movie is trying, it, it reminds me a lot of like triangle reminds me a lot of like the endless where it's like a lot of the movie is just trying to figure out what's going on. So, um, why don't you come in with your mud theory? I didn't understand why you went I'm away just, from that. Um, do you have more to say on the mud theory? No, I just, but you haven't articulated it yet. I have already said it. I'll just cut it up and make it better. Eh, it'd flow better because like I might have some things I want to talk about on top of it. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thought I've had when they actually step into the mud of that field, wherever the black rocks radius is, which might be the confines of that farmer's land it seems to have some sort of quality that traps you one and two doesn't move your dead body once it's dead and not yours anybody's dead body it doesn't move dead things once they're dead so those things are constants is what, there anything to that i don't know because like i didn't put that two and two together about the mud i considered like the mud is like uh because i had this operating theory that the field was like a colony of some kind of carnivorous plant and anytime you encountered a dead body in the field like a family dog or a corpse it was always surrounded by this kind of mud and i i saw that as like the field producing some kind of digestive juices but I don't think I revisited that theory because by the time we get to the end, there's an instance where like a whole series of corpses of a particular person are around. And like when when they establish the rule that like when something dies, the field no longer moves it around. How does that apply when you've got like 50 versions of a body? That spot of cornfield will always be outside of the bowling alley. <laughs> I mean, that's right. my that's my only thought. Yeah. The, to reconcile it is just I've seen stories like the triangle like you mentioned earlier you can see the front bow of the boat is piled up with bodies mm -hmm. but that's a simple time loop it's like the same thing keeps happening over and over and over exactly. again and like this thing it's like that but different because each loop can have different knowledge and like so there's there's also this black stone that's at the middle of the field mm -hmm. that has some kind of like uh, uh, alien or elderich power and if you, you touch it, you get like all of the knowledge of the field and no longer do things like things aren't mysterious to you. Like you can navigate right towards things where like if you haven't touched the stone, all you can do is know certain rules like the field won't move a dead body. So if you find a dead body, you can sit there and that will then be a fixed place in time that you can go back to. But that doesn't really make I mean, a lot of sense in, in the view of like having multiple iterations of a single body. So like like Patrick Wilson is in this film. There's 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 six characters as far as I can tell. You got the brother and sister, you've got the sister's lover, 
you've got the dad, the mom, and the little kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson plays the dad, and he becomes co-opted by the alien Blackstone in the middle almost immediately. And there's a scene where he runs down and chokes to death the brother, and he mentions, like, this happens, this, this, the, all paths lead back to me. And as he's strangling the guy, he looks over and he can see just, like, endless arrays of his body where they've done this again and again and again and again. Right, and Tobin, the little boy, was the one who drew them in to begin with, and for the second time, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky, the pregnant woman, makes a phone call to herself in the past warning herself not to trust her brother cal Mm -hmm. which never which i didn't think paid off Mm -mm. in that specific way because the person she should have warned herself not to trust sooner should have been any other people Mm -hmm. tobin for example plus it does the brother or i mean the father who was trying to kill everyone Mm -hmm. plus it doesn't really even hinge on anything like what what result what gets them out of the time loop is eventually her uh, boyfriend uh, touches the stone and of his last vestiges of humanity uses his new fame, newfound understanding of the field and his last vestiges of humanity to get the kid out of the field and tell, gives him the mission to like, don't let my brother and sister go in here at all cost. And I think that means, but right. So he this sacrifices is a time himself loop. to stay there. On but he does it because he saves people. himself. He saves himself too because right, but he's stuck there but he saves himself right and that's like i don't think that's a solvable time paradox and i you know horror movies are the one things i don't really like it's not hard sci-fi no but i mean there are things that i have done that have been done i'm gonna say it again triangle for example mm-hmm. that it makes sense it's both a horror film and it also i think stands up to kind of some kind of scrutiny where i'm right. not sure you the- can't just say like oh it's a time thing it's a it's an interdimensional thing and just point at that as a way to excuse behavior but when you can use that to your benefit and make it make sense then it's a that's an incredible story because if trevor nope that's not his name trevor travis i don't boyfriend, know the, the boyfriend, boyfriend yeah if he stays there then none of this happens them get them never coming in that doesn't happen because he was already there and that's a thing that's locked into time forever yeah i don't don't know Um, it just seems like there needs to be a logical explanation at the end of the day is this black stone a meteorite is it an alien thing is it an indian artifact well that's why i wanted to ask you is you're pretty steeped in the stephen king averse am i and yeah you said as much on the it podcast that there is some sort of greater grand theory about oh right aliens coming in and a yeah like they've got like a cosmology where there's like a you know the, the deadlights the, the, and cosmic that. turtle and you've got the deadlights and then you've got like a, a godhood above that etc okay sure is there any explanation that you can think of oh, now? right because this so that's the thing we didn't mention is this is a collaboration by stephen king and joe dirt what's this what it's not joe dirt it's what joe hill i said joe chill that's because that's, I mean, that, that's the name of the guy who i think kills uh batman's parents canonically anyway this was a collaboration they son. wrote this they wrote this story together stephen yeah. king and his son wrote the story together you're yeah I, I forgot about that in my analysis um i don't know i don't know maybe this is some kind of thing because like i felt like it was an alien thing but then there's these grass-headed demons but i think they're actually like Native Americans that are wearing some kind of grass mask. 
No, these and that these were like the original people that kind of fell into the 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 leaves, yeah. the, the grass, the tall grass. Maybe, maybe they originally sacrificed themselves for mm-hmm. a better harvest or something mm-hmm. like that. But they, um, they seem like they seem like really spooky grass demons that were very yeah. uh, reminiscent of Guillermo del Toro's type mm-hmm. of imaginations. Because you think it's a mask until at one point they turn their head. And you can see it coming out of their neck. And it's Mm. like, is that actually a demon? Is it just their imagination because they're dehydrated and dying? There's a lot of of trippy visuals going on. Yeah. I'm not sure. What does the rock show you? Would you touch the rock? Because I think I would have under that amount of pressure just to know. Yeah. Like once I saw my own dead corpse, I'm like, okay, I'm touching a rock. Fuck it. And also it would have been great if they'd showed us that Travis or Trevor, what the boyfriend's name is if he had had some sort of inner strength that he brought into this that made him be able to resist the magic that drives yeah, we never insane. saw the dad touch it in the first place we don't know like how long he like did you lose your humanity immediately to become a servant of the field the grass field immediately i i, I don't know mm-hmm. um there's also I feel like this movie is so close to being great because there's some amazing visuals like when you there's a couple points where they go from a really high perspective and you see this field field like violently shaking and sometimes it's just kind of swaying in the, the wind and sometimes it's like pulsing and moving but it never looks like anything but a grass field and it's kind of amazing how kinetic they were able to get it with the special effects there's a lot of really interesting things where you see like reflections in crow's eyes and like corpses eyes and stuff um but then there's a couple of special effects and a couple like there's a lot of like this is just shot on a green screen and anytime and it it works amazingly when they're in the grass but when they're there's a couple locations where they get to that like you said bowling alley factory thing uh where you can tell that this is a like day for night shot green screen thing and it doesn't look great and i also think the casting's Patrick Wilson's amazing i thought the sister is. is really good mm-hmm. i thought the boyfriend and brother are terrible I don't even think we saw the mom, and the little boy is fine. He's he's a creepy little boy, and he's good at being a creepy little boy. Right. He seemed much cuter, but also menacing at the same time in yeah. a Silent Hill or but, Shining type of way but when he was dirty in the yeah. field, and not as much when he was pre all of this yeah and maybe eventually turn into a grass demon after your clothes rots away and all that kind of stuff but i i thought that the uh the boyfriend was this really tapioca and the brother is you have to be afraid of him at a certain point in the film mm-hmm. and i never was like i literally thought his sister could just grab him by the face and shove him down right it seemed like the biggest fear was that she called herself in the past and said beware of your own brother right that was the biggest threat that he posed gar- yeah and the and when they were safe and really needed each other to survive, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. drops the ex boyfriend off a building, only two stories, into a bag of uh, gently used bowling <laughs> shoes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was yeah, nice yeah. and soft, cushy uh-huh, landing. Uh-huh. And there's this weird. So the, so I think this film was fine for what it was, but then they went to like the the little bit higher shelf of horror that they were entitled to. Like there's a psychosexual ritual where I think Patrick Wilson might have raped the pregnant woman. Either way, she's forced to give birth through this really weird alien. It's really actually a cool shot of like the earth opening up and you see like this just just a m- impressive array of corpses that you get that this this has been sacrificed as this field over long. One of the really cool things is like in the par- church parking lot, you see a bunch of 
cars yeah, no, from all no. different Before eras. Before you move away to the car era thing, I want to talk about this psychosexual. Yeah, well, I was just thing. showing like how like they show that this is like an ancient process, and like right. you keep coming back to situations like, oh my god, look at all these cars are from different eras, and you start to realize, and then when the Earth opens up, and it's like goes back to like almost Paleolithic times, it seems. But they delivered his baby, and then I've seen some babies being butchered in horror. There was a memorable one in like season two of Penny Dreadful that was pretty gross. There right. was a memorable one in The Witch. They do a this baby could have been butcher- like a Rosemary's Baby type of thing where you give you've they have been doing this cycle over and over mm-hmm. so that you'll produce the best iteration of this baby yeah, to be whatever. given to the grass demons. But but my point is like I just felt like this movie didn't earn a baby butchering and cannibalization by the mother moment. No. And I thought no. when actually I didn't think I'm like I was shocked and like when it was happening I'm like oh he's actually just feeding her grass. Or maybe like like it's going to be something besides what they want me to believe. But no, he's just butchering the baby and feeding it to no, her. No, there's like, no amount of postpartum depression that will make you think that eating human flesh tastes anything other than but, that. But obviously, it's like. But but again, like they didn't sell the the the. I haven't read the original story. They they didn't sell the central premise enough to make me believe that anything mm-hmm. like that was something that would happen or was warranted or was earned. Like or that it happened in the past even. Yeah, there wasn't any real tension building up to that. That's I I, I so. This again, this film is very, very close to being very good and very scary. As it is, it's a very flawed premise with some genuine chills and thrills and some amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too long, it's not too short, it doesn't stay it's overstay its welcome. Is there anything else more that we want to No, I, I have no I answers. It. I have no answers for anything that actually happens. Uh, in this movie. Right. Uh, that, and I don't the, want to watch it again to figure it out. No, I think it was a great use of my time. I don't regret watching mm-hmm. this movie at all. I just have a lot of questions. And I think most of my questions come from the adaptation from written works to film adaptations. Right. Stephen King fails a lot. He succeeds a lot also. And I'm saying Stephen King is a placeholder for whoever's making movies out of his books. But yeah, the person writing the screenplay. Right. He had this grand unified theory about his books that may or may not have come before he ever started writing the books. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of these questions that need answers are there in the text and they're not exactly good to or great to film. Like the uh, like the multiple generations of cars, like you said, Mm -hmm. like that's a thing that should have had like if. Also, well, if, how are if the buildings Patrick Wilson and his wife and child had been from the 50s uh-huh. and that it had been this long since another family came along, would that make more sense to you? Because it would for me. Because I also I, I get I got the feeling that that Patrick Wilson's family was from maybe the 80s or 70s. Yeah. Um, Until flashback on a cell phone in a modern car. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I but about you know, that. there's this book revival. It, the, we should have seen some other, like, like a better adaptation would have had, like maybe one or two other generations you bump in, like exactly s- see a, uh, a civil war guy or a revolutionary war guy or something. That's what I'm saying. One of the more recent books he put out called Revival uh-huh. seems like it had, like, it was going to tie into here loosely. For a Netflix adaptation, but with a church and the way that Tobin, again, spoilers, the way that Tobin reappeared in the center box. I don't uh, know church terms if there's a word for this room, but right. Tobin reappeared in the center in this locked room holy. and came back out. That's mm-hmm. very revival-esque. Mm-hmm. And I thought they would sort of, you know, mix these things together to make more sense. But again, yeah. 
I thought it was fun. The The concept of being in really tall grass is super scary. They did it in signs. Mm-hmm. They do it every year in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's that that's there's a reason why like corn mazes are very popular because mm-hmm. it is entirely possible to get really lo- good and lost in them. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's all I've got. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, our our classic one that we watched, Sleepaway Camp, nineteen eighty three. Uh, this film is straight up mystery science theater 3000 there are a couple of good kills and some chills that way um and there's a couple other things to recommend about this movie but i gotta say that you need to know before you consider watching this that the final reveal it could be considered a hate crime yeah Uh, i mean here's the thing if you're listening to this review you've either already watched it or you're glutton for punishment but here come the spoilers if you skipped ahead to here yeah they're like out of nowhere this movie even for its time like is pretty homophobic and transphobic um but i read a lot of different takes from different you know people who are uh queer or especially trans uh, trans pe- uh, pre- people themselves and like the opinions on the final reveal of this is kind of all over the place but i thought maybe we could save that till the end and just talk about the movie because the movie is fucking nuts yeah i, w- I just want to address that point real quick yeah you and i are also covering american horror story 1984 yep their ninth season yeah and we were told beforehand or we got the impression beforehand that this sleepaway camp had a lot of the DNA that this season's going to this, have. This movie is American Horror Story 1984's mother, and I think the movie Halloween is its father. Exactly. So we weren't prepared for any kind of phobias. I guess I was prepared for more... Um, I mean, I was prepared for any like in mid '80s kind of stuff, but like the end sure, was but not just phobias. like phobias. The the end was like jaw on the floor dropped. Like what? And, f- and and actually, and it took me a while of like really unpacking all of the layered of fucked up that the last act of this of this film un- unveils. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Do you just want to just like talk about yes. the, the stupid shit yeah. or the weird shit first? Uh, I had a whole bunch of things where it's just like essentially a setup like the boat. So, so the beginning of this film. Okay. One of the reasons this film is good is because it stars real children. Like, this isn't a bunch of 25-year-olds playing 17-year-old camp counselors at Crystal Lake camp. Uh, this is, like, actually anywhere from 11 to 15-year-olds with a couple 17 or 18-year-olds thrown in as camp counselors. But, like, they're getting kind of natural, believable mm-hmm. child performances. Yeah, It's also aren't. the film's biggest weakness because you also get a bunch of bullshit kids that don't know how the, the, the how they're acting, too. Right. Yeah, exactly that. There are some like this Ricky, the cousin. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's a believable, exactly his age type of kid who's yep. just like too much confidence for a single child. Exactly enough protectiveness for a child who has a cousin. Oh, he's got like the the amount of swag this kid's got this is kid. is unbelievable. Right there, there are there's a proprietor of the whole camp mm-hmm. who's gonna fuck any seventeen year old who says they're gonna come up to his bedroom one night mm-hmm. with uh, weird motivations for how or why any of these people got here. <laughs> All but right. yeah, there's a lot of children who you can believe are mid development. There's one child who's not quite a child who may have been. A porn star cast as the 
a the, 14 the year old the who develops quickly. The, the one twenty five year old who's trying to pass his seventeen. <laughs> oh, twenty five. That's generous. <laughs> Uh, so let, let me, let, let's 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 begin at the beginning. Uh, the 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 movie begins at this uh, campground, and there's a family that's sailing. Uh, significantly, there's two dads, and there's a there's a, a daughter and a son, and uh, they capsize, and they're kind of splashing in the water. Meanwhile, there is a group of teenagers that are on a ski boat, and they are pulling a girl who is kind of slightly out of control behind them as a skier. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this thing where, for whatever reason, the people are not looking ahead and they're going to run over this family that's on a sailboat. And like the girl being towed is screaming, My God, you're going to hit them, turn the boat. And right, they're like, like The girl you? screaming distracts them from just from swerving and out like, of the what way. What are you saying? I understand. And this thing yeah. lasts for like five minutes. Then they hit the boat, they run over these kids, and there's like this close-up view of everyone looking on in horror and the girl screaming, get him out of the water, they're all going to die, get him out of the water. As you like, hit both of you them. You hit both of them, and there's like a dad, I think the dad's dead, one of the kids is dead, and one of the kids is alive. Mm-hmm. They, I, I will say that like, and that the- I'm s- telling you all this in the hindsight of seeing the whole movie, mm-hmm. because they don't really make any of these relationships clear. It's very like, who the fuck are these? Where the fuck are we? Who is that guy? How does he know this guy? Right, who it's 1983, so we naturally assume that the man on shore was his assistant or business partner mm-hmm. who was ready to conduct a business meeting. Or like an uncle or something, I don't know. Yeah, and but he also disappears later. But in the scene, they also show what appears to be a child flailing the surviving child, mm-hmm. which is clearly the boy. Did you get this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then we cut away to some time later, and we get this mom who is a whack job. Like this feel this like feels like a mom who's taken a full bar of Xanax <laughs> and then dropped a tablet of acid because mm. she's very dreamy and spacey, and she's got her son. And he's got, but also his, fashion conscious, right? And you know, she's like, uh, she's like getting these kids together for the trip, and like, I don't, this, this, her son seems like very well put together, uh, and like, you know, confident and sure, but his mom's a, a lunatic, and he's got this younger cousin who's been living with them forever. I think no, they they made it sound like she just came over for the summer, but what that doesn't makes that doesn't jive with what we find out later in no, the movie. No, it doesn't. I'm just telling uh, you what I think they're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, so the, it's just very, and I, I just wrote down like this, this, this is a scene that goes on forever. Like they start up upstairs and then they go downstairs and then there's like some kind of lunch and this mom's just being very weird. She has this very, Alice like, in Wonderland dreaminess yes. and like repetitiveness. Like you want to make sure you pack all of your best clothes oh, because. Oh, that wouldn't be so good if you didn't. Oh, if we were late, that would be ever such a problem. And it's like, you know, this weird kind of like coked up Mary Poppins thing. And like, no, not coked, definitely barbiturates instead of like, uh, yeah, she's way too downers, high. They're bringing her not down. Uppers, yeah. Um, then we go to the camp. And uh, if you've seen American Horror Story 1984, there is a guy who is essentially Trevor. He's this extremely yes. like good looking. He's wearing short, the shortest shorts, the shortest sleeves. He's fully jacked. He's got long flowing hair. Uh, and he's this guy is just like the fucking best. He loves these kids. He takes care of these kids. Maybe. 
Maybe? What are you talking about? Maybe. This guy's true blue. I was waiting for the next thing you're about to say he does in this scene. What does he do? He walks Angela back to the resident child molester. Okay, that, that, okay. Uh, this isn't this, <laughs> like this 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 is so so he's not the the girl's guidance counselor. There is a girl's guidance counselor and she's a total bitch. We'll we'll get to know her a bit later. But yeah, so like Angela there, there's there's the two there's there's the the little boy or the 13 year old kid and her cut his cousin angela Nikki and angela what nikki 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 okay you got nikki and angela angela is very quiet she's possibly prepubescent she hasn't developed as a woman and she's being thrown into this environment she's where quiet. huh she's shy she's, she's quiet. shy she's quiet uh there's she's been thrown in this environment where there's 25 year olds posing as 15 year olds <laughs> uh can we talk about this this so what's the name of this uh lady Sleepaway camp judy judy can we talk about judy how do you not remember her name i for, i just i just Fuck get to that you, part Aaron. i forgot <laughs> i got that i didn't get to that part in, in the notes this um so like i said we got like a 25 year old perhaps am perhaps uh, uh adult actor and she's playing a 15 year old who uh uh nikki dated last year and now she's like gotten breasts and everybody's commenting on it mm-hmm. by the way the strength of this movie is it uses real children and they get natural performances mm-hmm. the weakness is it they also write them to be like little hornballs like they are and there's a lots of shots of like these girls who are developing breasts not wearing bras and these guys wearing like really short shorts and like they're clearly being sexualized and it's kind of uncomfortable but it's also kind of real like right I don't like know. they knew I think while I while we were watching this movie I knew that the sexuality would be an important factor yeah. I didn't know how much but every time he brought it up to me I was like no you're right to be concerned because I think this is a plot point and theme that they want you to be aware of but they're going to engage in in a meaningful way later it's just weird because it's like imagine if like Stranger Things happened except for uh, Eleven every other got tits this year yeah Eleven was wearing a wet t-shirt in a couple of these scenes and like Mike was like you know prop uh, like like uh, doing a Captain Morgan on a couch and you could see a little bit of his ball sack hanging out of his right. short 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 shorts but also that happened and they're fucking and it had nothing to do with the Demigorgons right yeah <laughs> It's just, this is just like the, this, it just happened it's just happened it's it's so um it's it's but let's talk about judy so judy for whatever reason is just a, a prototypical mean girl and like montana from american horror story is is based on this character judy is the prototypical mean girl she invented being a mean girl and i love her for it yeah like so no like she's ever sold me this hard on being such a bitch she and the lead camp counselor relentlessly bully angela for the rest of the movie and like every time someone calls her on it like and there's a very fair amount of people like a boy will come in and be like hey leave angela alone and she'll be like fuck you jimmy <laughs> and she looks so angry and then three seconds later she starts like kind of like maniacal joker laughing or and she, then three seconds later she starts sobbing right or she wants to suck your dick or kiss you and suddenly you are aware that you're the only person in the world that's ever existed romantically for her uh-huh. she's doing an amazing job with her face and body or just like her across the room glaring at someone and it's just withering. like this, this this bitchy smolder mm-hmm. she's got going it's fucking incredible and every single time the camera's on it she's doing the most she's like putting in the trifecta of performances uh 
inappropriate rage, inappropriate laughter, inappropriate sorrow in almost every performance she gets. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't take my eyes off of her. It's just like what she's doing is fucking incredible. Yeah, no, she appropriately deserves an Oscar. Um, So there is a lot. Okay, here's another thing I don't understand. Um, There's a lot of like Top Gun volleyball scene homoeroticism going on with these boys Mm -hmm. but like i was trying to think of like because i remember growing up guys used to wear a lot shorter shorts Mm -hmm. and guys used to wear tank tops and guys used to wear shirts that bared their midriff and i was watching this and i'm like i'm kind of jealous i have nice legs i wish i could wear short shorts but like you would be laughed out of any social situation if you showed up in those 1970s like basketball style short shorts i would certainly be laughed out if i showed up with my midriff bear um how and these guys were all seen as like very mad and I was, I was wondering like is is was there a time in america where you could kind of dress like campy gay but it still be very masculine no i think exactly this time is it's like liberace it. used to be seen as very masculine right like no no i don't, think so. I don't know man. i think this is the time when people were wearing short shorts and midriff bearing things because that's just the technical way to sweat less move better be more effective at the sport yeah. Or maybe it's just more socially acceptable as a style. And but, that absolutely was the case in that time. I think they absolutely played it up more by like pseudo Trevor's shorts were yeah. hiked up. So they were really like hugging and defining his balls. Right. I think they all had crop tops and maybe cut them an inch higher. I think they played this sexuality up for a reason. But it's weird because like there's like these the guys try to off. get like a skinny dip uh, group together, but it's really just the guys. No one else gets in the water. So it's like it, so it's like this came three years before Top Gun. Top Gun, the homoerotic stuff was definitely in there, mm-hmm. baked in, tongue in cheek. This felt like it's just like they didn't they weren't aware of how super fucking sexy they were being no like i said i think they were 100 percent aware of what they were trying to do mm-hmm. i just don't think they knew the unified message in each scene mm. when they did the thing um so the next so there, there's the scene where uh angela's getting bullied and sh- the trevor the, the 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 hunky camp counselor who's a really good guy <laughs> Uh, mistakes her discomfort with her not fi- being able to be happy with what she's being served. So there's this other scene like earlier on where the kids are coming by and like school buses and there's a guy in front of all the other camp workers openly lusting about the children that he's about to be able to perv on. Okay. And we're like, what the fuck? Five minutes later, Trevor is delivering Angela into this guy's hands and he takes her in the back freezer and he starts to try to like, uh sexually assault her molest and some and it gets interrupted by her brother looking for her or her her cousin cousin. looking for her yeah and i mean so like i was saying before they have this pattern where angela will be bullied during the day and then later that day or night uh these mysterious you know giant man hands will come and, and kill somebody so like in the skinny dipping scene uh, there was a guy who took a girl. He did, she didn't want to go skinny dipping, so he agreed to take her out in a boat. But then as soon as he got her out in the water, he tipped the boat over so she'd get wet. It's a massive asshole. For some reason, he goes, like, the, the boat is upside down, and he goes underneath the boat and, like, does that thing where Indiana Jones is in, in Indiana Jones 3 is hiding on, you know, out from the flaming rats or whatever shit's happening in the series yeah. of Indiana Jones. And... 
a, a head floats him there and he's like, oh, it's you. And then the thing chokes him out and kills him again with these big, uh, uh, these big man hands. So then the next day they, 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 they find this kid's dead body and it's a super gross corpse. Uh, then someone else b- bullies Angela and he goes to the bathroom and you see this knife get slid into the screen and mm-hmm. a unseen ser- set of hands like shoves a beehive through it. No, they shake a stick with a beehive into the screened in area. Oh, and first the, the, the man hands went and like slid like a, uh, some kind of branch or a stick or a metal rod through the, the, the bathroom door yeah. so they couldn't get out. They locked the doors up, cut the screen so that they could slip something in, but the person couldn't get out mm-hmm. and die horribly. Yeah. <laughs> Which like the a door that only covers 50% of the floor to ceiling area. Not only that, but it's like one of those like, you know, like if you were getting stung by dozens of bees, a bathroom stall is not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. Like, you will just bash your way out of that thing, especially if you're a big, strong uh, camp counselor type of dude. This guy can't fucking get out of it, and he gets stung to death. Right. And he looks like he goes into sudden onset anaphylactic shock. There's, like, open... So- like, like these bees are not only shooting full of venom, but they're shooting them full of hydrochloric acid as well. Yeah, that instantly fester into giant wounds that just explode into craters on your skin yeah he's hyper allergic i assume but we never got to know that yeah uh so like the next one victim is judy who we mentioned that we uh she's a really terrible person but we love her performance um she bullies angela next and she gets uh straight up punched in the face and then while she's knocked unconscious uh, these unseen man hands uh molest her with a hot curling iron yeah, and it's pretty fucking gross. This is fucking horrible. And then we ra- we ra- round into the final reveal where they do this weird scene where because uh, Angela's gotten close to this boy and um, she's very uncomfortable. Like they 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 make it clear that like she's uncomfortable with, like showering around the other girls. She gets close to this boy and has a friendship, mm-hmm. but then he tries to put the moves on her. They then have this scene where how would you describe this? Like she has this flashback where before the boat accident, she and her brother walked in on their two dads having gay sex. Mm-hmm. Then they have this scene where the what did you call it? The E.T. What was it? E.T. something or other? Yeah, there's a scene of them giggling while they're watching their fathers have sex or mm-hmm. post pre-coital, whatever it is. And then they do this scene where the male figure of the two who might be twins. They didn't uh-huh. tell us, but they're yeah. definitely brother they're and sister. The age, yeah. Where the brother does this close in where his finger is pointing directly at her getting closer and closer as if they're telegraphing to us that this is not a yeah this is the brother and sister exploring each other sexually Sexually, yeah so i wouldn't say it's a molestation if they're i mean maybe they're molesting each other i'm not exactly sure how the terminology works there they're cope they're they're coupling the witnessing their dads having the gay sex with this kind of probably inappropriate sexual exploration right it's not explicitly shown but some damage has been done by seeing this happen yeah what they process that information into against each other and then the final scene is as angela's being caught in mid-murder 
uh, they they have all this kind of stuff. This these these weird images and like when these brothers and sisters doing the ET phone home sex scene, like the camera is whirling around their bed yeah. and the boys becoming the girl and the girls becoming the boy. And then there's also a cut to the crazy mom. And even though I think she was only there for the summer, she has this big thing of uh, saying, "You're going to be my little girl." And you find out that this is actually not the sister. It's the brother Peter that survived. It's been feminized by the mom. And then it smash cuts to probably a 23-year-old dude wearing an Angela mask, full-on naked, holding a kitchen knife and making animal beast noises as people are saying, oh, my God, it's not a girl. It's a boy. boy. And then it smash. That's fade the black. Right, it's so it's so bizarre of all things because of one, they couldn't find a thinner, more feminine man who was willing to be naked and wear that mask. Because Angela is like a very like pre- seems like she's a very pretty cis, prepubescent, slightly pubescent girl. She absolutely is, and I know unless, there's a lot of men her out there. Unless her hands are in close up, and then she's got the hands of a 35 year old truck no, driver. No, I'm saying that there's a lot of yeah, that's true. That's a fact. There's a lot of men out there who are thinner and more sinewy and have more feminine hands than Mm -hmm. this guy does. Mm -hmm. They have to do some dramatic lighting to make the hair extend beyond the nipples Mm -hmm. to show that it's, I don't know if there's tits there or not. We're not going to show you that. That'd be gross. And he's covered, (laughs) the the, the person's covered in blood and, but they've got a full on penis and full on penis. So here's the thing. I definitely think that this is a transphobic movie because it's essentially, my God, this is a, you know, uh, this is a woman uh, and she's got boy parts and they're, right. Can they're you gone imagine psychotic. imagine a man trying to be a woman and what kind of damage like, that would cause? But also Angela's not a trans person. Angela's actually Peter, who's a little boy who's been abused by this person and forced to be a sex that he doesn't identify with, which has mm. caused him all kinds of psychic strain and trauma. And it's caused him to and that and witnessing his dads have gay sex and the sexual exploration they did with their sister has turned him into some psychosis thing. So it's like Angela slash Peter's not a trans person, but they're, this is also transphobic because of all the like you know negative shit. It's also kind of homophobic because they're like seeing your dads have gay sex. Like, look, if you witness your parents having sex, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world. I also don't think it's going to turn you into a, a fucking axe murdering uh, psychopath. Um, but but it's the other thing. So I saw a trans writer say that the interesting thing about it is it accidentally makes a case for letting people transition because. So Peter is being forced to live as a girl, which is analogous if, like, you know, if someone was born Peter and they actually want to transition to be a, a woman. Call um, it. If Peter was treated as a man, like allowed to be treated as the sex they identified with, they would have had the cool Trevor counselor. So they wouldn't have gotten molested by the fucking chef, uh, cook. Uh, they would have had uh, the cool Trevor instead of the bitch uh, bullying female mean girls thing like like they, they made this case by case like every single part of the movie wouldn't have been a problem if they had just been allowed to be the sex that they wanted to be that's interesting have you read or uh, researched at all the creator of the movies no. or the writer of the movies I intentions that didn't make that that far i was just i just read just tons and tons of what people think contemporary 
or what 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 people think like nowadays of this movie because again yeah that's an this amazing is a very influential horror film but like out like i said this this last like five minute reveal completely <laughs> changes everything you knew about the thing right. and it wasn't just like some weird little girl who's been bullied and is slashing out it's like there's deeper sexual problems and right and that's true even today in america yeah as far as or i mean not just america the whole world as far as conceptualizing like gender and sexuality yeah but it seems like i guess i just instinctually misinterpreted it as being pro trans uh uh, transitioning and pro uh, bisexuality, it, any kind of sexuality you have, because Ryan Murphy and a lot of other horror writers draw some inspiration from this. Yeah. So I just assume that the writer had a better intention that was misrepresented. I don't think so. But I think it was just sensation, so just, just purely sensationalism. And like I, you know, I I think you could maybe like try to find the gay or trans icon in here, some kind of subversive like. Uh, but because mm, the thing is, is like uh, it, it gets the rare movie to manage to be transphobic without actually featuring a trans person. Um, but the right. other thing is the movie is imminently Mystery Science Theater 3000 of And there is some like really solid gore work. And the kids performances are amazing uh, in their kind of like natural way. Um, and it's ec- extremely influential on the horror film uh in the horror film genre but Mm -hmm. it's also just like really fucking problematic on top of like just anything that you would have being problematic in the 80s right (sighs) i mean it's a lot like the nazis doing these experiments that taught us a lot about (laughs) that how bodies work and how genetics work like nobody wants to see it happen but we learned a lot and can grow from it. Did we? But the, Despite what, what not did anyone having learn? blood on our hands, yeah, we can know that this knowledge exists and it'd be irresponsible to not use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I don't know what anyone would learn from spring break, uh, but sure. Yeah. Spring break. I'm sorry. Sleep away camp. <laughs> yeah, spring break, there's the wor- nothing to learn from that. See, I usually have a word or two that I get right. I just completely crapped a bed on a that A word one. or three? Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about 2019's... Crawl. Crawl. Yes. I had a lot of fun with this movie because I kept expecting it to be Sharknado. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your first experience to this movie? In trailers? Oh, yeah. We saw trailers. I, me, I think you can probably hear two or three bald movies where me and Jim are making fun of the trailer. And yeah, the about first time I saw the trailer, it looked like garbage. Like, like Hurricator, Gator King. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like these guys, they, they live in they live in Florida. They, they This woman competes. Garbage. Competes on the Gainsborough, like like in Miami uh, University of what is it, Florida State? Is that that's the Gators? Yeah, University of Florida. Whatever's headquartered out of Gainesville, there she's on the swim team, and she's got her father played by Barry Pepper, who's always saying like, you know, you're fast, and she was her like uh, he was her childhood coach, and saying that she was always fast. She's an apex predator, and he goes she's missing in school now, and they're estranged for reasons. Because uh, their mom and dad got divorced, and he has stopped responding to the phone, and there's a hurricane coming, and like we're just making the jokes. Because like if you've seen like Sharknado, if there's a six inch puddle in the ground, there's a shark coming out of mm-hmm. it. So like we kept on making jokes. Like every time she'd open a car door, like gator. you know, just gator <laughs> jump jumping out of there. She looks in a cupboard, gator. gator. Uh, she turns on an, uh, a faucet in a, a truck stock bathroom. Gator. 
30 to 50 gators at 70 GPI is just going to be coming, forcing through that, that, that faucet and eating her. But the thing is, this isn't a Sharknado. This is a, this, this turns out to be, um, so, so she finds out her father has been secretly fixing up their childhood home because he was supposed to sell it in the divorce, but he didn't have the heart to do it. Hmm. And he was doing some last minute kind of like hurricane proofing of this, this house, I think. No, he, I think what they got was that she went over to his house that he should have lived at. Yeah. Left his dog there. Who's wasn't her expecting to, I think. Uh, no, I don't think she's been she a part of this for family for a him. while. Yeah, but still. Whatever. You're making excuses for this dog. <laughs> And the dog was there. There was a half empty bottle of whiskey. And there were some other signs that were like, he was at his condo or whatever. Mm. And he went back over here half drunk because he got, uh, he got caught up in his memories and there's a hurricane coming. Uh huh. What sets the rest of the movie in motion is it turns out that he's down there in that uh, crawl space. He's been attacked by an alligator who's crawled in through some kind of flood relief pipe that's uh, that's installed into their basement and there's a section of the house that's inhabited entirely by xenomorphs (laughs) there's a section of the house that is like uh on the other side of the wet wall it's got a whole bunch of tight fit pipes that the gate that the people can slip through but the gators can't um he's been grievously wounded like one of his <laughs> grievously wounded one of his uh, legs has got a compound fracture mm-hmm. she finds him like this they're able to retreat to the side of the house that the gate that the gator can't get to and now uh but there's no exit from this side of the house the levee the the floodwaters are rising in the crawl space underneath this house the levee is about to break and they're going to drown in here unless they can figure out a way to get out yeah, that this movie shocked me and using such a small space to convey the very real paranoia of being stuck here mm-hmm. and that there's this large predator that could get you anywhere but can't get you right here. So yeah. how the fuck do you get out? And it's, a, but, it's, and it's never going to get tired. It's never going to get bored. It's this prehistoric killing machine. Hey, wait, let me stop you right there. Now there's two. Right. Yeah. When they think there's, and then there's a couple, like, I'm not going to say that there's a couple things I did not like about this movie. For mm-hmm. example, she loses herself. The, the gator first attacks her. She scrambles to the safe side of the house. She loses her phone over there. She like her, she, she keeps an eye on the one gator and she sneaks over there, grabs the phone. She makes a phone call from the gator side of the house. Just right there. It's the so best place of reception. You're, you're asking to get gatored and she got gatored in the form of a second she gator. Now gatored. there's two gators, two gators and no stairs. Um, there's a couple other things I thought were a little dumb. Like they make it a point that this dad has got a compound fracture of his leg and he does this thing with a complicated series of belts and wrenches where he resets his compound fractured leg. And then they hope by the third act you've forgotten about this because he's just straight up walking around. Right. But because in between these things, if you if you recall, uh-huh. he has a very surface surface, maybe like one to two inch scratch on his I'm not going to say scratch wound on his uh, shoulder here uh-huh. that maybe hit an artery that made him bleed enough to put the handprints on the pipe, but mm-hmm. also pass out with a compound fracture. Right. Before he gets to resetting his own compound fracture, she experiences the exact same fucking wounds. Yeah. A gator bites her by the shoulder and also bites her by the shin mm-hmm. and 
should have fucked her up. Mm -hmm. But maybe the gators are feeling more sympathetic after they bit him a few times. But like she he's got a leg that should be non-functional no. she she's got a leg that shouldn't be as functional but right. she's like need, this guy can walk this woman can swim at olympic levels um but, any amount of wounds make you visually you can be or visually be seen you can be smelled you can be like heard right. well yeah. like they show like there's um like every once in a while there'll be there's there's a group of looters that show up in a, a boat uh across uh, there's a filling station across the street they get violently attacked by gators and just completely wiped out. Um, they make it a point that like, you know, gators can hear very well underwater and they got a keen sense of smell, but like towards the end of the movie, nothing really attracts them. Like it's like they're only attracted to the 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 girl and her father, what is dramatically appropriate. Mm -hmm. But there's a but but they also like the the third act is kind of ridiculous. Um and but but the first two acts are genuinely suspenseful mm -hmm. like when they still like because the, 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 the thing is like they maybe this film is 50 minutes longer than it should be it's mm -hmm. still a pretty tight like 98 minutes but like there's only so many things you can do with a crawl space and two gators and two wounded people in and it rising floodwaters and they do all that and it's very very tense and then the movie keeps going on for 15 more minutes and it gets progressively more and more ridiculous right. and they make now the dad starts acting stupid yeah like, some of the some of the gators motivations make less sense like yep. they can break through stairs to get at you but not this this flimsy pipe which i would call flimsy if they attempted to get at it twice yeah the dog frequently stands at the foot of the stairs barking to get their attention but the second an actual person a firefighter yeah, policeman police sticks person, his head over that hatch the gator dog's chomps. been barking the entire time yep. the gator just monster trucks him right the dog fine mm -hmm. you know if halfway through that where that they had drawn the dog had drawn or the person the woman whose name i forget Mackenzie. did you say that i'm uh, making yeah. that up She's, she's under like a trap door that's stuck by a table. If she, where she was standing and the dog was barking at, if that police officer had come over and pulled the table out of the way, mm. story's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I think the point where this movie jumps the, the gator is where she <laughs> swims out through the drainage pipe. Uh -huh. And this drainage pipe goes to, do you know the set on Princess Bride, the, the forbidden, the fire swamp? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pipe that leads right to the fire swamp. It's some kind of subterranean uh, cavern. It's got like 18 foot of headspace, mm -hmm. and it's the fucking fire swamp. How the fuck is this connected to his house with a 40 foot pipe? Wait, so are you saying that space is between a person's house and the outside, which appears to also be above ground once the person swims through the drainage pipe? Yes. Okay. I have no well, idea where sure this, have a this, this where where this place is supposed to be. It's also got like a massive nest of gators, which explains like why all the gators are like super fixated with the location. Right, but, like, which is interesting because you show like baby gators coming out and maybe nipping, and you think that when she goes through the drainage pipe, they'll get her toes or her fingers, yeah. or they'll pay off in some way. But they don't. Yeah. You just know that there's more, or that that like this will like they'll really trigger the mother's uh, nesting instinct mm -hmm. to like protect it. But like it's literally not important and. Everything that happens after she swims through the pipe is stupid. Um, right. There's even, they're stuck in the cellar with two gators. Yep. They kill one, uh -huh. blind another. Mm -hmm. She gets into the antechamber. 
Another one comes in. She F- kills that finds one. Finds the corpse of the of a dead cop. Grabs the gun. The gator b- swallows her arm with the gun in it, and she just like starts. I forgot about that. Yeah, she starts, starts like firing the gun inside the gator, which of course kills it. Uh, right into its back somewhere. Like you gotta get, you gotta hit the brain, girl. And then that's it. That's the movie's complete nonsense from there. The dad starts making stupid decisions. The dad is in safety with his a bum leg, but. He's worried about his daughter, so he goes and puts himself in harm's way, which gets him attacked by the gator, which she has to then save, and then she has to be chased. And it's just like all this extra shit where you could have ended the movie 15 minutes ago, and I'd been like, fuck A-plus gator movie. Yeah, and especially since, you know, the dad should have died three times over. Mm -hmm. The first time when she found him, he should have had enough life left in him to express some... specific and he could have necessary laid there and, and given her some advice and maybe banged on some pipes but he should not have been mobile Absolutely. by the end of this but, movie he's just walking around right once he gets mobile he should have at least had some sort of importance to play later he did yeah. not no he, he was, did however drown where he was saved again for no reason and he gets taken i mean that would have been the perfect place to end the movie right there like mm-hmm. she brings him back to mm-hmm. life the coast guard shows up but they gotta have a couple more stupid scenes. and then it gets a little honestly sharknado-y right we've all learned a lot you know the next generations will have a stronger sense of family and we by the won't- way if you were having trouble making a swim team because that's everything was about her needing this scholarship so she can keep going to school and but she's also like scrappy she's more scrappy than good so she's always just barely hanging on to that last spot in the swim team right like her dad was a little he loved the older sister more even though she had an interest that he liked more a hobby that he was more invested in and she stops needing him as much but what she really needed was just him more to succeed but what I'm saying is this is a bleak film because the dad loses no, her arm. She gets both of her she gets her body mangled by the gator. There's no way she's gonna be faster than this. Right. So is she gonna lose her swimming skull? Is this the tale no, of this family the, being destroyed? That's the point I'm getting at, because there's a certain point where it requires her to swim faster than everything else. And it's trying to tell us that what she really needed was her father's approval more than anything to right. succeed. Father's approval and her leg be lightly chomped. And then that's now she's like, maybe that's what it is. It's like, that's like the Tommy John surgery right. where it's like you blow out your elbow if you're a pitcher yeah. and they stitch together the cadaver, cadaver ligament. And now you can throw the ball even stronger. Like right. she, got, she got, the Tommy, she got the steroids. She got the Gator John surgery yeah. where they just chomp her leg. That loosens up her tendon, splays yeah. her feet. Now she's like Michael Phelps fast. Uh-huh. Except she smokes less weed, I guess. Yeah. This movie, again, much like Tall Grass, so close to being great. Um, it just yeah. slightly overstayed its welcome. Yeah. We love, well, I loved all of these three movies that we covered. But again, I feel like we're just sort of circling the drain towards getting to the perfect trilogy, not trilogy, the perfect Pairing. threesome mm-hmm. of horror movies that fancy or that tickle everyone's fancy and can we do it next time we're gonna try we're gonna, we're try. gonna do midsummer at least yep i got another uh, i got another one that i wanted I, I got a couple other ideas we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to tingle the spines yeah uh at least as judged by aaron and cecily <laughs> with volume three of the cinematic or sorry of the cinema spooktacular the three. search for spook Cinema Spectacular 3, Search for Spook, Volume 3, uh, will be out October 30th, mm-hmm. the uh, eve of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Hallow's All eve, Hallow's eve. eve. 
Uh, and until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See you later, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>